You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Rubber boots? What does that mean? It's another reason to talk about the Hurricanes, and this time it's because of something that they did on the ice during the game, which is cool. Nobody in Russia's named Craig. What's up, Science Center Podcast? Back again. It's a Monday episode. Um, remember, playoff game or whoop, oops, starting off good. Remember episodes after every playoff game. Didn't do that specifically this time because there's no point in having a Sunday episode and then a Monday episode that are basically talking about the same stuff. So today's episode is is a normal once a week episode, um, and I'll also you know kind of recap game three whether we want to. Or not. You're trapped. Now you're listening to it. You're going to have to do it. Before we start that, um, I want to say, obviously, follow at SSKane's podcast on Twitter. Follow at HockeyPodNet on Twitter. Um, really cool giveaways always going on. You can win, like, a signed puck. You might win some some gear. Um, and follow, you know, the, the shows around the network. Uh, plenty of guys doing giveaways and stuff like that. If you're interested in any other team or if you just like hockey in general, you know, some cool stuff to have. So check it out. Um, don't miss out on that. Um, additionally, you need to go uh, subscribe to the feed, Siren Sounder Podcast, on iTunes, Google Play, etc. Um, and you need to rate and review the show. I did get uh, a couple new ratings and reviews, and I sincerely appreciate it. I uh, believe we're at all five stars right now, which is amazing. Um, so I appreciate that a whole lot. And let's keep it coming. Keep the show growing. And uh, tell your friends, you know. Spread the word. Go do that right now if you haven't yet. Tell somebody about the show. And then we'll have more listeners. And then we can do more stuff. So there we go. All right. Game three happened. And uh, we all know the result. Um, A 3-1 loss for the Canes in game number three to take a 2-1 series deficit. Um, And a lot of stuff to unpack. Not a lot of it great. So, you know, let's just, it's like bad news, good news, which one do you want first? Let's just get the nonsense out of the way. There really wasn't a whole lot of good news. I guess we can start with the good news, though, because the bad news is overwhelmingly, you know, the majority, unfortunately. The good news is I thought the first period was one of the better periods the Hurricanes have played in the postseason. Um, You know, they they outshot the Bruins mightily, and uh, they were able to actually get some pretty good looks on their power play, at least the very first one early in the game, I thought. Um, and I thought they looked pretty good. Morazic was really good, but that was a thing through the whole game, not just the first period, um, or else that game could have got much worse. That's about the extent of the good. The bad in that period was that they didn't capitalize, um, which if you're going to have good periods and bad periods, you better capitalize on your good periods or you're in trouble, especially against a team as good as Boston. Uh, and I think we can see now the whole, oh, the Bruins are terrible now, like, that, just, that doesn't happen, okay? <laughs> like, yeah, it might have taken them some time to get their shit together in 
in uh, the round robin and with all the stuff clearly going on in the organization and, and maybe some, you know, distractions, et cetera, and, and call it being hard to focus on, you know, what are basically exhibition games. Um, it's nobody's trying to get hurt, I guess. I don't know what you, what you can say, but to act like the Bruins were going to come into this seri- series and, and be like playing the Rangers, like that just wasn't going to happen. Um, you know, they're, they're the president's trophy winner and they were definitely the best team I thought in the regular season. You could argue Tampa and stretches, uh, but consistently it was Boston. So it's not going to be an easy out. So the hurricanes can't bring their, you know, their C game and expect to win. They got to bring their A game. I thought game two was a really good performance. Game one was lackluster and they were kind of lucky to stay in it for so long. And then game three was just the, the, the worst performance uh, I think of the postseason. The second and third period were not good at all. Tons of turnovers, um, and we talked about this last week. When you're turning the puck over and you're not managing it properly in the neutral zone, you spend a lot of time in your defensive zone, and you don't get any sustained forecheck, and that is exactly what happened to the Hurricanes in the second and third period of the game. Uh, I didn't think anyone really stood out um, like as, as playing really well. I thought Ajo had a, had a pretty good game. Um, but you know, even, even those guys, they got beat by that Boston first line and that's their job out there is to, is to go out there and, and make it happen. I, I would have liked to see a Svech Aho and turbo line put together at some point, but I'm not sure it would have made much of a difference. And now it's not an option anymore. And we'll get to that unfortunate news. Um, but overall, I mean, that's the sentiment. It just wasn't a great game by the Canes, um, and you can you can make all the excuses you want as far as blaming whatever else, uh, you know, whether it's the officials or anything like that, a call that doesn't go your way. But the, the fact is the Hurricanes didn't play good enough to beat the Boston Bruins in that game. And, you know, we can say all we want about the officials, but like I've said before, I think it's kind of wasted energy. It's not going to change anything. It just is complaining. And whether it's right or wrong, I'm not saying that's not right. Like I'm not, I'm not saying the officiating has been good because it hasn't been. It's been horrible, and it's been much, much more against the Canes than it has been against the Bruins. Um, so certainly, I can acknowledge that that's frustrating. But the if you really take a step back and look at it and say, all right, despite that, the Hurricanes have won the one game where they've been the better team. And they've lost both games where they haven't been the better team. And the officials haven't made them not the better team. Because I thought the the most poorly officiated game of the series by far was game two. And the Hurricanes won that game because despite that, they were better. And that's how you win games. You just bring your game and you're better and you fight through the, the nonsense and you deal with it. Um, the penalty kill's got to be better. I know that sometimes these are bullshit penalties getting called against you. But sometimes in games, bullshit penalties get called against you and you have to kill them off. If the penalty kill kills those off, we're not having this conversation of, oh, well, that, you know, that call is why we lost. Like, no, you you still got scored on. Like, you still have the opportunity to kill the penalty. It's it's just like, you remember the Vegas and San Jose game last year that ended up changing a bunch of rules for the major penalty um, where, you know, they came back from four down. It's just like, I mean, yeah, you can argue about that that penalty call, but also don't allow whatever it was, three or four power play goals. Like you can, you have the ability to not let that happen. It's 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 not easy, but it's not it's not like impossible. It's not like people are scoring four power play goals on a major penalty all the time. That never happens, really. So I mean, that's still like you still kind of deserved some of it for for playing that bad. And I don't, I, you know, whether it's a distraction of man, that call was really bad. But you're a pro player. You got to get through that. It's gonna happen sometimes. Um, didn't think the game was 
was nearly as bad as as game two by any means. Um, but hey, it is what it is. The officials are going to be the officials, and I'll get to the one call that uh, I think people were the most up in arms about. But overall, I felt like um, you know the Canes weren't going to win. They didn't really generate anything. The only goal they got was Nino Niederreiter just kind of being around, and Yaro Halak was just like, here you go, Nino. And Nino was like, oh, well, this is the only way I'm going to score, so I will take it, because uh, he has not been very good. And, you know, if if not for Peter Morozik really making some some very good saves and kind of bailing the team out a few times, um, you know, that probably would have been like a 4 nothing. 4-5-nothing game, and even if they count the the one, whatever. I mean, I still don't think the Hurricanes win that game. They got really lucky on that goal, and I think, honestly, when you look at that, it's a wash. Because if you're going to go back and say, oh, if, well, if they would have allowed that goal, it would have been tied. Well, no, because if they allow that goal, then you have to you don't know what would have happened from that point on. Like it's it, That's how it works. So you can't say that they still would have been gifted that that goal. Like If you're, if you're, if you're not up 2 nothing, the goalie maybe doesn't make that play with the puck. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't feel comfortable enough to do that. He, he stays more at home. So, you know, that's, it just doesn't work like that. You can't, you don't get to say, oh, if this thing happened earlier, then I can extrapolate the rest of the game that did happen. No, no, no. It's like if they, if they reviewed a goal or if they had something to review and then four minutes of play went by and then you scored and it's two to one and then they go back and review the goal and they say, oh yeah, that actually was a goal. So it should have counted. And then they count that it's not two to two now. It's two to one and you go replay the rest. It doesn't mean you're guaranteed to score that goal you scored after they stopped it, you know? So that's that's kind of how that works. And again, I just don't think it's I would be it would be one thing if I thought the Hurricanes were the significantly better team and the referees made some very questionable calls against them and then that ended up in them losing. I think that that then you have more to legitimately say the officials are losing us this game. But I don't think the officials lost the Hurricanes that game. I think the Hurricanes lost the Hurricanes that game. And if you don't see that, then you're probably not paying attention enough to the actual gameplay because they didn't have anything going. Like, if you think the Hurricanes were good in that game, I don't really know what to tell you. Like, I wish they were better. Trust me. I want them to be. I'm rooting like crazy for the guys. But that was just not a good game. They just didn't have it in game three. And that's why they lost. It's unfortunate. Yaro Halak also played well. Um, you know, a capable goalie. It's not like with Tukarask opting out, I and mean, we'll get to that in a sec. Um, it's n- I don't know if some people thought that it was just going to be a rollover, um, and you know Boston was was going to lose their minds or or not be able to play. Um, and I also don't know why it was such a storyline because it's not like Boston doesn't roll one two with those two guys. Like they're very familiar with Yaro Halak. It would be like if James Ry- or if if Peter Morozik was like, I'm not playing anymore. And we were like, oh, no, all we have is James Reimer. Like, oh, are we screwed? Like, no, you'd just be like, well, that sucks. You know, I feel for that guy. But at least we still have a, a goalie who we've, you know, we're very familiar with him. We played plenty of games, won plenty of games with him, and he has a good track record. Like, that's the same thing the Bruins have. So, um, and maybe to even a higher degree because their combination is is the best in the league, I think, for a one-two punch. Um but anyway, overall sentiment of that game is the Hurricanes just never really got anything going offensively, and they never got anything going offensively because they weren't good in their neutral in the neutral zone. They weren't making good decisions. They constantly turned the puck over. Passes weren't crisp enough. In the defensive zone, guys were just cha- it was like uh it just kind of was unorganized. I would say like too too many times where they're chasing the puck, and then you've seen it a million times. They get that line change on you, and then they just keep dumping the puck, and your wingers are just chasing it to the half wall. They're D man 
pinch down and beat you to it. So now you're just racing around like you're tired as hell and they're just standing there. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a frustrating position to be in. Speaking personally, like I've been in that position in many games before where you're just pinned in your zone and you're doing everything you can to get it out. But the other team just, you know, has more energy than you do because they're making you chase them. Um, so they got into that position way too many times and it's just not going to work. And like I said, then you can't, there's no offensive anything you can do, especially when it's your top lines being hemmed in. That can't happen because those are the guys you rely on to get offense. So now when the only guys sustaining pressure in the offensive zone are your, are your fourth, your third and fourth lines, like, you know, gotta love those guys. But Jordan Stahl's line isn't sustaining anything in the offensive zone because they're too slow. It's usually a one on three into the zone. And, you know, maybe they get a drop pass and a shot from outside the slot, but that's not dangerous enough. That line's not out there to, to produce offense. It's out there to be defensively responsible and, you know, hey, maybe they get a grinding shift where they hold the puck in. But lately, they haven't really been able to do that super successfully. Um, so that's not a line that's going to get you offense. And the fourth line, you know, I love them, but they're a grinding line. Like, I love that the fact that they're able to hold opponents in the, the um, defensive zone and all that. Like, that's what a good fourth line should be able to do. But it's not like they're getting grade A chance after grade A chance. You know, they're, they're, they might get you a greasy goal, and that's fantastic. You need that in the playoffs especially. But again, to rely on that line to produce most of your offense is, is to, to lose. Um, your top six need to be giving you the best quality chances. And if your top six are constantly pinned in their own zone or not able to get out cleanly and therefore they just have to dump it and get off and live for another day, then they never get a chance to, to be on the offensive. And at that point, you're chasing the game, like Brendan Moore says, because you're down. And it's, it gets harder and harder because the other team's going to take less and less chances to score. Because uh, they know they already have the lead on you, and that's a smart thing to do. And that's what happens, you know, when you get down early, and then, or it, it wasn't early, but when you get down first, which nothing they could do about that first goal with the uh, with the um, the baseball bat play out of midair. That was insane, <laughs> pretty wild play. But um, you know, what are you going to do about that one? So, kind of shrug your shoulders on that. But then the team didn't do anything after that, and Boston's up, and so they can just play more conservatively. I don't think they did. I think they took it to the Hurricanes, but you have to be able to handle it. You have to be able to you know, stay poised in your defensive zone, um, get pucks out cleanly, and your goalie has to perform well. And, and the only thing that happened in that game was the goalie performing well. I thought Peter Morazic was great. Obviously can't fault him on uh, anything that really happened in that game. So that's Game 3. Um, the other things that happened in Game 3 unfortunateness is um, Andrei Svechnikov's injury and I you know I just it upsets me like honestly just that was a very sad ending to what was already a a game that kind of would bum you out Um, and I'm not trying to get into super downer territory here it's not like the Hurricanes are out of this anybody who thinks oh woe is me like it's we're we're done I mean I know I jokingly tweeted that when I saw Svechnikov go down because it is a big blow um, but you know, it, the Hurricanes are, are down 2-1. Last year, everybody thought that they were done when they were down 2 nothing to the Caps, and then what happened? So we're 2-1. If we win this next game, it's even, you know, and we have the technical home ice advantage with uh, the matchups that Brendan Morgan controls. So whatever he determines with the lines, he'll be able to control those matchups throughout the game, and he's good at that, and Dean Schnell's good at that. So that's a positive. And it's not like they're out of it by any means. The goaltending has been fantastic. 
So that's the kind of thing that holds you in a series. You know, you might you, you can steal a game when you have a really good goaltending. So the Hurricanes might have to steal a game. They might not be the better team in three out of the next five games. But if your goalies, you know, give you that little bonus point, you might be able to eke out a win, and then you're in the advantage. So um, that's what I'm looking for for the Canes here. But the Svechnikov injury is super unfortunate. I don't really think anything of it. I know there's a, a decent amount of people who feel like Zdeno Chara intentionally you know, slew-footed Svetch or something. I mean, I think that that's just frustration um, and emotional fan reaction, which I can identify with, of course. Uh, but, I mean, come on. If you're watching that play, it's a battle in front. There's there's no malicious intent. It happened too fast for there to be malicious that intent. Sometimes people slow these things down, and they watch them in super slow motion, and they're like, oh, well, look at look at when he does this. And really, in reality, that, that this that you're talking about was like a split-second just movement he made that can't, you, you can't have intent in an involuntary movement. <laughs> like, it's just not possible. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that haven't played the game before that maybe don't get how it's easy to get tangled up in a, in a net front battle like that. And that type of stuff happens on every single play. You go to the front of the net, and by no means am I saying Svechnikov deserve to get hurt or that it wasn't incredibly unfortunate because it is and I'm very very sad that you know a, a super talented young player is hurt and we don't know how bad he's hurt right now at the time of recording this but you know it could be it could be not great it didn't look fantastic but maybe it's not super major and he's able to come back but either way when you go to the front of the net um, you know you're going to get banged up sometimes and, and you're going to get into battles and and sometimes when you're battling a guy that's you know six foot nine um, you you might get tangled up and, and his weight might force you a certain way you don't want to go and guys get hurt sometimes like that I mean it happens it's an unfortunate part of things but guys get hurt in battles like that all the time and it's no one's fault it's just the game it's the game when you go to the front of the net you should expect a battle so then Ochar is right to try to tie you up and push you out like that's what the Hurricanes defensemen should be doing in front of the net too um and he just happens to be a giant person so like yeah people people are gonna think like oh he took advantage of whatever it's not his fault he's that tall <laughs> Like, he's just doing his job, you know, and I don't think Zdeno Chara has anything out to hurt Svetch. I know they've been going at each other, but that's what guys do, you know? Guys do that all game, all series. It's part of it. It's not like off the ice, they go back to the locker room, they're like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt that kid next game. Like, that doesn't, that, that type of stuff doesn't happen. You're villainizing, you're villainizing the opposing team, and the opposing team is just another hockey team out there trying to win games. And the puppy's in the room now. Sorry. Took a quick pause there because you heard her barking in the background. So if you hear, uh, you know, random jingling noises or uh, something getting chewed on, it's that's what it is. <laughs> and now we move forward. Uh, yeah, it's there's no intent there. I mean, there's just not. There just isn't. If there is, the only person who knows for sure is Chara <laughs> because the video evidence proves zero intent. The only thing it proves is that they got tied up in an unfortunate way and, you know, Svetch went down awkwardly, and it, of course you don't want to see it. But it doesn't mean that they did it on purpose, okay? I know that we don't like Boston. I know that Boston's players probably don't like Carolina's players during the game. But there's there's not a lot of guys looking to hurt other people out there. Like, it just is a thing that doesn't really happen. So, you can say whatever you want about guys that play, you know, a quote-unquote dirty game. Most of them are just looking to stir things up. Um, and throw hits and yeah they probably make dumb decisions sometimes but I don't think anyone's truly out there trying to injure someone like I don't think a lot of those guys I'm not saying that there's zero of them but I'm saying I, I think that people think there's way more of those guys in the league than there really are I think the guys are just trying to make their money's worth you know however they can if it's if it's a big hit in a questionable 
area or whatever, then that's how they're trying to do it. And that might be a dumb thing to do because it has a higher chance of hurting someone. But I don't think that their intent is to injure that person, you know? Like, it's just a dumb thing to do because you have to think about the fact that it could injure that person. But anyway, oh, sorry, destroyed my mic. <laughs> um, you know, what this all leads to is, is I don't even want to really give this a whole lot of, uh, you know, publicity or what me, me giving anything publicity. Not a thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, attention, I guess, is the word I was looking for. Because it's, a, it's just a troll job. It's just a dumb, it's another dumb thing to come out of another dumb person's mouth. Um, but it is a thing, and it is content, so we'll address it quickly. Uh, but Jack Edwards, the play-by-play guy for um, Boston, the Boston Bruins on NESN, um, which I don't know what the fuck that stands for, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't be a thing I'd ever want to watch anyway, so it doesn't matter. He basically tweeted saying that um, what NBC didn't show was that Svech had been going at Chara uh, behind the net and, and been going at him all series and that when you poke the bear, that's what happens, implying a couple of things. Well, it implies several things incorrectly, which one, on that play, Svechnikov was not the player he was talking about. It was Aho. So, you know, if you're a play-by-play guy, you should maybe, like, know who's who or else you're horrible at your job. Um, so, you know, if you don't know who the players are and then all your takes are bad, then how do you have a job is, is the real question. But the reason why you have a job is because you work in Boston, the city of bad takes. And, uh, it's not really a, it's not really a, a thing that doesn't exist there. So that's what that is. Uh, the other incorrect thing he's, imp- he's implying that one Zdeno Chara intended to, to take down Svechnikov there, which he didn't. And two, which is saying a negative thing about his player as well, um, like implying that Zdeno Chara made a dirty play, but that Svech had it coming. And that leads me to the third thing he's implying in that tweet is that Andrei Svechnikov deserved to get injured, which is always a bad take because no one ever deserves to get injured. I know that sometimes we're like, I want to, you know, I want to see somebody take that guy out, but you don't want to see someone injured. And if you do, then you're a, probably a bad person, you know, um, that's not, it's a game. It's a game at the end of the day. I know we all get passionate about it. Trust me, I definitely do. Um, and I've played it, and I am a very competitive person. And trust me, I've wanted to take runs at guys before. But never to, I never was like, I really want to hit this guy, and I hope he fucking falls and breaks his ankle. Like, you're a psychopath. If that's what you're out there trying to do, you're an absolute psychopath. And the game is way worse off for you being there. So these guys aren't trying to do that. So that was just a, a stupid, stupid, stupid comment. Um, and you know, it's, it's just frustrating to hear dumb stuff like that, but it's again, not surprising that the dumb take capital of the world is Boston, Massachusetts. And, uh, that's where that one came out of. So not really a surprise and we move on. Um, the other, the other thing that, uh, dumb, speaking of dumb Boston takes is, is obviously by now you all know that Tuka Rask opted out of the NHL playoffs, um, which every player has the right to do. Um, and it's kind of each of their decisions. A couple guys have done it, I believe. I can't remember the exact names, but I know at least one um, player opted out before things started. And look, you never know what's going on in somebody's life. You never know what they've got at home that they're leaving. And I mean, just think about, I mean, if my work asked me to travel for, you know, potentially a two-month period and leave behind everything else and not be able to leave and only communicate with, you know, my wife over the phone or whatever, uh, I don't think I would be up for that, even if they offered me a bunch of money for it. Like, it's some things are just not worth it. So, 
Obviously, these guys are, you know, their whole life is about winning this trophy. Um, and it is a big deal to everyone. Um, but it is still a game at the end of the day. Like, we have to remember that. We ha- to, to be human beings, we have to remember that we might love this game. We might take it super seriously. And the players definitely take it very seriously. But at the end of the day, it's still a game. And life is more important than it. And if you don't think that life is more important than the sport of hockey, then, you, again, you got problems. You're in the same line with people that want to injure someone for no reason during a game uh so again i'm a huge hockey fan obviously you probably know that if you've listened to this i do a fucking show i sit down at least once a week right now it's something like four times a week and spend hours you know recording and producing me talking about hockey obviously i'm a big hockey person but i still can acknowledge that it's a game and at the end of the day people's uh families and and all that stuff are are way more important than a game regardless of how important the game is you might be playing for the championship of the game but it's still a game and if Tukarask decides that you know his place right now needs to be with his family then you know fuck you if you if you have something to say about that like just your your opinions don't matter on it you know what i mean like whatever you're entitled to have an opinion but it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. So therefore, keep it to yourself. Like, it doesn't... I don't really care if you support them or if you don't support them. Like, it doesn't fucking matter. What you think doesn't matter. It's his choice. And he's the only person... Nobody... No, he doesn't owe anybody anything, you know? He doesn't... He doesn't... It's not like he's just bailing on his teammates for no reason. Like, I guarantee you all those guys understand. And I guarantee you all of them still, you know, love and support him as a teammate. So if they can do that, then how are you as a fan just watching, you know, shitting on a guy? It's just, it's just, it's just a bad look for the sport, for the team, for the fans of the team, you know. Um, I know there are fans of Boston that, you know, do support Tuca and are saying, like, you know, you do what you got to do. Uh, but I would like to think that if, you know, one of the Hurricanes players decided that they, they you know, needed to be back home with their family and weren't able to commit to, you know, staying in the bubble for potentially months, um, that we we would be able to all respect that and maybe be disappointed in the fact that we don't get to watch that player because we like them and we enjoy them. Um, but the fact that we like them and we enjoy them is exactly the reason why I would hope that we would be able to respect their decision. You know, so just it's a it's a human thing. Like sports are sports can be toxic, and I don't like that part of it at all. Like I don't like that we can't separate the fact that it's a game. Like. Let's be passionate. Let's talk shit to each other. Let's be extremely happy when our team wins. Let's be upset and angry when our team loses. That's all well and good. But why are you attacking people and their, you know, personal lives because of a game? Like, it's just, come on, get, get, grow up <laughs> is really is really what it comes down to. So that's that. Um, and that's kind of all the stuff that happened in the last few days. Moving forward here, um... Hurricanes got a few more games to to even things up and and get things going and you know going two two and and you know potentially three two after that and and looking for a series win is is not by any means an impossible thing they do need to overcome uh, a big injury to Andrei Svechnikov and you know obviously I can't speculate I don't know how you know long he's going to be out I don't know what his injury is it looked like he went down awkwardly his knee and ankle kind of made awkward tweaks wasn't really fun to watch. NBC made us watch it about 97 times, uh, which is always cool when they replay the injuries over and over again. But uh, it is what it is. You got you to deal with it. They dealt with the Svech injury last season. I think it hurts more this year because he's more of a superstar this year 
than he was last year, just getting better and better every game. Um, but what it does is one, Ryan Dezingle, I think that you know you've been looking for an opportunity to prove yourself. Boy, do you have it. You know, here it is. Even an energy guy like that, I could see Rod putting him out there with, you know, in the short term at least, with uh, Ajo and Teravainen, just to see, like, can this guy take the opportunity and run with it? Can he provide that energy, that speed to that line? And can he get some level of his finishing skill back? Like, maybe playing with those good players. I mean, look, in Ottawa, he was playing with um, Duchesne and Stone. (laughs) I mean, those are two pretty talented guys, so... You put him out there with Ajo and Teravainen, and maybe he recaptures some of that magic. I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. I also wouldn't be opposed to him being in a lesser role because, uh, you know, you might want to match up your top line against their top line, and Dezingle has his plenty of moments defensively that confuse me and might not be a solution to the fact that the team is having trouble getting pucks out of their own end right now. <laughs> like, you don't want to play a guy too much that has trouble with that under normal circumstances. So... That's one move they could make. Um, the other thing that's got to change is that uh, the stall line needs more time in the offensive zone, I think. They just need more grinding shifts. And they haven't been bad, I don't think, but um, they got to get it going a little more. Justin Williams is obviously going to take time to get, you know, just like when he, I don't know if people remember, but when he rejoined the team in the regular season, he was pretty rough for like a little bit. And then he got hot and he was on fire. That's how we ended. So, of course, we all think like, oh, Justin Williams is going to come back and be amazing. But now it's the same circumstance. So I would expect the same result, really. Um, I would expect him to take, you know, a few games that might even be the rest of this series and not be good. And then hopefully going forward, he kind of recaptures some of that uh, momentum that he had at the end of the season and and moves forward and and has a, you know, a great game and and all that. Um. But that's, that's another thing that needs to change. The big one for me is that Nino Niederreiter has to be uh, an effective player for this team. Without Andrei Svechnikov, here's another you know big, heavy guy who plays somewhat of a power forward game with, with a good shot um, and should be able to be a goal scorer and capitalize even on special teams and stuff. He hasn't been anything close to that lately. And that's really going to hurt this team if he can't get any semblance of where he was at any point last year. I'm not asking him to be the player he was last year. I'm not saying that was a fluke, but I think that that was just a really good performance. Um, And, you know, expecting someone to play at that level constantly is unrealistic when they haven't just done that over their career. Um, But, you know, look at the paycheck, look at the price tag on a Nino Niederreiter um, and look at what he's been putting up and it doesn't it doesn't make sense. And he's a guy who's been playing at a level of a replacement level player. And you can't do that and get paid, you know, five plus million dollars. And you can't, we can't put you out there on the first line and you bring the other two guys down. Because like I've said, if two thirds of a line are going, I think it really hurts it. And if a line's operating at 67% efficiency, it just ain't going to work against other good lines. It might work if they're playing against the fourth line and, you know, they can even up the the game flow and, and kind of just outskill them. But... Uh, it's not going to work for the most of the game. So if one of your line mains isn't going, your line's probably not doing much that game. Um, the Trocek, Natchez, Svech line I thought was pretty good. So Rod will have to just tweak everything, I think. I think we're going to see a big, big lineup changes. Maybe not huge, like every single line is changing. But I mean, several, a couple lines have to. So, you know, what does he do? Where does uh, Nino go? Honestly, at this point, how ineffective Nino's been, I would be like, just freaking dress Jake Gardner and just have an extra defenseman. It's not really making a difference. But uh, I highly doubt they'll do that. 
Um, wouldn't be surprised if Van Riemsdyk comes out um, and Gardner gets back in. But that's a choice for the coaching staff. And honestly, like I said, I don't really question their decisions anymore. I think they're usually pretty spot on about most things they decide to do. Um, but the defense in general needs to step it up. Wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing to have Brett Pesci on this team right now playing a healthy Brett Pesci? That would just be, I mean, outstanding. It would, our defense would be unbelievable. I mean, we are, we are, you know, a, a guy playing a little better away from just being, from just locking, being able to just lock down any team we play. Um, and Brett Pesci is a, is a, to me, you know, all-star caliber defensive player in the league. Like he's one of the better defensive defensemen, um, you know, with, I'm not saying that he's just a stay at home guy either. He can, he can be a two way guy. Uh, but what he brings to the game, especially as a right-handed guy that the hurricanes could always use, um, is just special. (laughs) And you'd like to see that happen right now, but no point really talking about that, but wouldn't it be nice is all I'm saying. I bet some of you forgot Brett Pesci was on the roster. Um, here's the thing also is that, you know, I think Dougie has started to get back to his game a little bit. Um, Jacob Slavin, I think has struggled a little bit. Um, and you know, I'm not saying he's been bad because rarely is Jacob Slavin bad at all. Um, but being able to get back to what we're used to seeing Jacob Slavin do take over games, you know, make huge plays defensively great breakouts and all that like he's he's a guy that's elite an elite puck mover I think as well as defenseman so he's he's got to be one of your better guys at getting pucks out and that that pairing of Slavin and Hamilton shouldn't be having as much trouble getting the puck out as they are so they're gonna need to figure that out um Brady Shea same thing um that you know that pairing with Vatnin has had its struggles as well getting pucks out and honestly um if Edmondson's good to go I would probably break them up and I'd probably go uh, Flurry and Vatnin on the third pair, and go Edmondson on his offside and Shea um, on the second pair. Just because you know, I think adding that little defensive element to each team is important, um, or to each line. Excuse me. You know, Vatnin and, and Shea are kind of mobile defensemen who like to use their legs, and you you both can't do that. So it kind of makes one or the other redundant per shift. And if the other guy's going to have to be a stay-at-home guy. I mean, I'd just rather it be Joel Edmondson than either one of those guys if we're talking about defense and shot blocking and all that sort of stuff. So um, I would like to see him back. I think that will make a difference as well. And I don't know what the extent of that injury is either. Uh, Again, a positive is that both goalies have been great. Um, I would 100% expect the Canes to go back to Morozik in Game 3. I'm really sick of NBC questioning every goaltending decision the Hurricanes make because they just don't understand the dynamic of the team. They haven't watched them throughout the season. It's very evident every time they make a commentary on almost anything. Uh, it's really, really upsetting. Uh, but, you know, whatever. Mute mute NBC, except for John Forslund. Like, it upsets me that John Forslund uh, is having to deal with these people. I'm sure he wouldn't look at it that way because he's a very professional, talented guy. Um, but, geez, you're surrounding the best play- play-by-play guy in the world with freaking Mike Milbury, who just spews nonsense 24-7. Um, you might as well put Jack Edwards as color commentary on there. So it's just, that's aggravating. (laughs) But anyway, um, those are the things I think the Hurricanes need to do. Uh, Look for those lineup changes. And another thing I I really think the Hurricanes need to improve is their penalty kill. 
It was a story last year, and I think you're starting to see it kind of become a story again. Whether or not it's a bullshit penalty, you have to be able to kill it off. And they haven't really been able to. I mean, you saw the Marshan um, power play goal at the end of the second period in Game 2 uh, on a bullshit call that they weren't able to kill off. Like, you needed that, and the game would have been easier to win if you could have got it. Um, and then in this game, you know, um, the double minor high stick, which whatever, I do think that Nordstrom initiated the contact. But to be honest, I still think that um, the rule for player safety reasons is and has to remain that no matter what, you have to maintain control of your stick. Because even if you get hit, it's not like your stick just comes up in the air. You have to have the wherewithal to keep it down. And if you don't, then you should be penalized for hitting someone in the face. And you should you should feel that way. Like you would feel that way about your own team, you know? So don't act like... <laughs> I just don't like when people are so inconsistent about what they... Th- oh, that should never be a penalty. I'm like, but if you think about if that happened against your team... You would be so upset if they didn't call it a penalty. So you can't have it both ways. Like, the rule is the rule. Uh, and that's just how that stuff works. But the Hurricanes penalty kill has to, you know, kind of button down and and uh, figure out ways to kill off these penalties that they may or may not deserve. Like, you just have to kill it off. And I think that they did that for the most part other than that one in Game 2, and that's the reason why they won that game. You you, saw, you heard me talk about it. I called it after they killed that, um, that penalty. Sorry, it wasn't even... That was the... Uh, after the... the blown challenge uh penalty they got they killed it off i said if they kill this penalty they're winning the game and they did um and i think it, it just proves that your your penalty kill gives you that momentum it's just kind of a, like a kind of a like of a uh i don't know what that was but anyway i'm winding down i don't even know that i've cared to finish that sentence you get what i'm saying <laughs> uh one more thing i guess i i forgot to bring up earlier is the is the no-go call in game three um i'll say i'll say this the the replay call, the, the what they determined on the replay that the call on the ice stands for no goal, um, I believe was the right call. And before you get your pitchforks out, because I'm sure many of you are like, you're so wrong. This is why do I even listen to this show? You're so stupid. Um, you know, you might have a point with those statements. However, on this particular incident, I'm saying I agree with the fact that the what they were reviewing was whether or not the puck was in in his glove. After that, doesn't matter because they're determining that he basically had it covered and you can't knock it out after that, okay? So we're not debating that part. I had this argument with my piece of shit friend uh, yesterday and I don't care to have it anymore. We're not arguing that part because it doesn't. it's irrelevant. That's what they determined. So whether or not they were right about that, okay, have that argument. But my argument is that the call on the ice was correct because what they had to look at is do we have conclusive evidence that this puck is in over the line in the goalie's glove? And the, when I first watched that, I thought, you know, there's a pretty decent chance that puck's in the net, but there's zero evidence to prove it, and you can't just guess at goals. You, you, another thing you don't want, because if it were your team, you'd say the same thing. Like, if if that, think, just think about this. If that were against the Hurricanes, if that were Peter Morozik and net, that exact sequence happened, and they were to call it a goal, you would all be fucking up in arms, okay? And don't pretend like you wouldn't be, because you're lying. Don't lie. You would all be up in arms. And that's just how sports work. I get it. People are always going to be, you know, super biased towards their... But try try to... Just try to think about that. When you think about whether or not that call should be interference... You know, like, when, when they called uh, Tabo Teravainen for goalie interference, like, I didn't think it was goalie interference. And I think that if I if I saw it against our team, you know, I could see it. That's how you have to think about it. And so I'm like, I mean, I could, it could go either way, I guess. Like, I could see how they could say it was, but I still don't really think... I think that if they call that interference, that's a weak interference call. And so the same thing with this one, like, 
yeah, it, it didn't go your way. And I'm sure you have a million reasons why you think it should be a goal. But on the, like on the other end, saying that it was a, it was a like completely blown call is just wrong because there, there, you could find reasons on the other side to where it wouldn't be a goal. And I think that the review, the review call was right to say the call in the ice stands. Now we can have the, the conversation about the fact that they allowed Halak to basically cover a puck for a fraction of a second and have control of it and have it covered. Um, and they didn't allow Peter Morozik to do that in game one. I think that that's a legitimate concern. And honestly, I was extremely frustrated about that. But uh, that's not what the call was about. So, you, like, it's a, diff- it's a separate argument. And we can have it all day. But um, regardless, you know, if, if the puck is under a goalie's glove, you can't knock it out. So it is what it is at this point. Um, and again, I don't think that that lost the Hurricanes the game. I know that some of you think that, oh, they would have had a tie. It doesn't work like that. You can't just say that they would have had a tie because things would have happened differently after that. Uh, you can't just go back in time and change one event and, and nothing else changes but that one event, you know? So um, that that concludes the sci-fi portion of this episode. And honestly, it's probably just going to conclude the episode. Um, I've run out of words to say. But those are, that's, I feel like I gave you some stuff, you know, to think about, to mull over, to disagree with my opinions. That's what this show's all about. And if you want more of that, you go follow at SSKane's podcast on Twitter where you can disagree with me there. You go follow at HockeyPodNet just to support the network and and maybe get some free stuff out of it, which is cool. And let's be real, that's probably the only reason you're doing it, but that's a pretty good reason for doing it. Uh, and you go subscribe and you rate and review on iTunes, Siren Sounder Podcast, um, and you go do all those things. That's what you should be doing. Appreciate it. Catch you guys uh, after Game 4. Game 4 happening today at 8 o'clock if you're listening to this on Monday when it comes out. And if you're listening to it after that, well, you're like. Um, I should be able to put out an episode on Tuesday. It will likely be later on Tuesday because, uh, I, I just, I probably don't get to record after the game because it just goes pretty late and, you know, after recording and then editing and putting it all together, converting it, sending it off. Like it's just going to be late. It's going to be late for me. It's going to be late for the network guys. Uh, it's just easier to do it the following day. So that's what I'll probably do. Look forward to that and, uh, catch you guys after that. Thank you.